Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it is Wood Talk number 334 for November. That's probably not right. Should have changed the date. It's a weekend show for something You did in it November. this time. I know. What's the what's a week what's the day on the weekend? Uh, what's I it gonna be? That's twelfth. Okay. For November twelfth. Saturday? Saturday? Twelfth-ish. Twenty sixteen. Yay. Twelfth-ish. It's the weekend show, y'all. It's gonna be awesome. And week you live know what day it is. Yeah, it doesn't matter what day it is. You could listen to this show any day. Uh so today we decided to talk about something that I think is part of our woodworking process in a sense, right? Because you need stuff to get things done. And when you go to buy that stuff, you have to figure out what to buy, where to buy. You need like advice and it comes down to reviews and how, how you, uh, like who you trust, where do you go for this stuff? So that's what we want to talk about is how we purchase tools, how we discern between BS reviews and real reviews. What resources do we trust? What do we not trust? Can you trust a sponsored blogger or a podcaster or YouTuber? Can you? I think so. Just depends on which one we're talking about. If it's Matt, (laughs) I wouldn't trust them. No comment. If it's me, I would. So, yeah. So I think this is something that, you know, a little off topic, but definitely on topic for a lot of people, because I think, you know, there's a lot of buy stuff. There's a lot of information out there. How do you know what, what to trust and what not to know? Here's the thing. We're, we only have opinions on this. So you may, you know, take it for what it's worth because we don't, you know, it's like we make mistakes too. I've purchased things uh, on bad advice and learned my lesson the hard way as well. So, um, but hopefully this will, this will sort of arm you with some info. So to get this started, we had a poll not too long ago that I thought was relevant to this. And it was basically asking that question, where do you go for tool buying advice? This is back one of the uh, Tom Ivino polls and these polls are up there forever. So people are constantly adding to them. There's about like 1700 replies on this particular poll at this point. So the top four responses are 41% get their information from online forums 19% from woodworking magazines and books, 15% from blogs, and 13% from talking to other woodworkers, you know, like actually in person, which is kind of a weird concept to me, but talking to other people. And that is how they make their tool buying decisions. So let's break this down, guys. Um, We've got a couple of resources here. Let's talk about what might be useful or if it's been useful for you. So forums first, since that's the, the most popular one to come up in the poll, 41%. Now, as far as I'm concerned, forums are not necessarily as likely, um, you're not as likely to find specific product reviews because it just it just is a matter of did someone go into a forum and talk about it. Um, forums aren't necessarily the place people go to publish these things, but they will go there to ask, how does this work? Or can I put this thing on it? Or this broke, what do I do about that? So I think forums are incredibly helpful. If someone posts a review, that's great. But aside from that, you just do a little bit of digging in the searches and see if you can find people complaining, praising, asking questions. And this is the real deal stuff. This is regular people using these things in the shop. And I think that can be uh, extremely informative. So just as an example, in the Wood Talk forum right now, I just went into the power tool section. There are two posts in the top, like two or three posts that are recent ones about the DeWalt 735 planer. That's a very popular planer. So if you're in the market for one, even if you just go to our forum right now, you've got two people asking questions about it and discussing it. And that could help inform your decision on whether or not you buy one. So forums, pretty old. Um, Do either of you utilize forums for tool buying decisions at this stage? Hmm. Well, I run a forum, (laughs) so 
I have to say yes, but it's funny because I was just having this kind of joking conversation with a handle school member today because she had asked a question about here's where I am, what tool should I buy next and gave a lot of very specific things, you know, and she literally got 20 responses and 20 different answers. Oh, geez. So it's one of those things where, I mean, granted, it depends upon the question you're asking. If you're going in and saying, what was your experience with this particular tool? You're going to get a little bit more focused response, but you, you have to be a little careful. You kind of mm-hmm. have to like step back and take the average, you know, cause you're going to get, one person that just raves over, for instance, the DeWalt 735. Yeah. And then you're going to another person who's like, no, it was absolute crap. And I, worst thing I ever bought, you know? Um, <clears throat> so I think it's probably still better than like going to an Amazon, like reading a, uh, like a um, shopping cart reviews, sure, Amazon sure. reviews and things like that. Just because these are kind of, you're in your little, your little forum, your click of people, you know? So, and you may have some relationships, some of those folks. So you're going to have a little bit more trust probably. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I still think it's probably better than like trolling Amazon. Yeah. You know, that, that's a really good point because <laughs> in our Facebook group for the guild, someone asked about, um, drills today and they said, you know, I'm looking at the, the Bosch, the Milwaukee, the DeWalt, I need to replace the drill. Uh, but I want to commit. Like if I get one, I want to kind of go all down that path uh, for for the portable tool uh, path. So how do these drills work out? And of course, you know, like you said, 20 minutes later, 20 different answers. <laughs> I even went yeah. in and I'm like, I would just about bet that at this point, you're probably more confused than you were than you were like before you asked this question, because there's at least, you know, three or four people in each camp saying these are great. And, and you know, when I see that, you know what my take home message is? It doesn't matter. Pick They're a great. Yeah. Like, what's your favorite color? <laughs> seriously because they're all going to do the job dogs seriously <laughs> sorry there's someone picking they up have the mail too. this is like real life asking a question of forum it is this that's is true this is the white that's noise true. that you have to <laughs> work through <laughs> to get your answer and barking of the, everybody in their own camp no festool yeah. no bosh festool no. sucks festool's great <laughs> yeah that's very good. Very, very good point. It can be very confusing. So, so that's, I think that's a good uh, thing to have in the back of your mind. Anytime you can't get a definitive answer because everybody is praising the one that they have means you probably can just pick one and you'll be okay with it. So that's good to know. Uh, let's see. The other thing I wanted to talk about are, uh, YouTube and blog reviews. So this is probably something that's a little bit, uh, you know, closer to what the three of us do. We've talked about tools and, and are in the position of, of being on the other side. So maybe our opinion on this is a little bit biased, but I find with YouTube and blog reviews, they're, they're highly variable in terms of what you get out of it. Cause sometimes it's just some dude going, nah, I bought this thing over here. It works nice, you know, and you don't really get much information out of it. The guy just likes his tool and he took a video of it. Right. Um, but a lot of times you will find very detailed, nicely polished reviews And then you have to start to ask yourself, is this so polished because this is a sponsored review? Is this something that the person was sent for free or possibly in exchange for advertising of some sort? Whether the video is labeled as such or if it's disclosed, you still have to wonder that. It's in the back of your mind. So as people who talk about tools publicly and give recommendations on tools, how do you guys discern the difference between someone who's just blowing smoke because an advertiser sent them something for free and something that is real, true, honest to goodness advice, Matt, is there any like red flag you look for? Uh, not particularly because honestly, when I watch the reviews, I'm not interested in that person's opinion of the tool. 
I'm more there to see the features of the tool and w- mm-hmm. what do I think about how those features would work in my shop or whatever the product is. Um, most of my my buying kind of strategy most of the time is just kind of absorb as much information about that thing as possible. Um, if it's and whatever it might be, if it has like videos of like how to videos or how to use it later on, mm-hmm. so I can see how it's going to work in the future, how to set it up. You know, it really depends on what product we're talking about. Um, but most of the time, I just absorb much as much information as possible as if I already have the tool, so I can become accustomed to how that thing works, functions, and all that stuff, and then kind of make my own decision based off of that. Um, I think a lot of times you can kind of look at things, and especially on tools, and be like, that looks stupid, that probably won't work very well. Or if you're watching the review videos, you can kind of tell if if a bunch of, there's like, if, if, if there's a bunch of review videos and you like watch a bunch of them and they all ignore this one thing over here that you're like kind of like interested in, probably because they're paid not to talk about it Prime or it just doesn't matter that much. Yeah. One of those two things. But if it matters a lot to you, then you can kind of go down that rabbit hole of let me find out more about this feature that I'm interested in and see if it's going to work out for me or worked out for other people. So what if someone is telling you that the feature you're interested in is the best one they've ever seen and you, and you have an inkling that they probably didn't pay for that tool. Do you have, do you just completely dismiss their advice altogether? Do you have a way of discerning whether or not their stamp of approval on that feature is something you should make a purchasing decision on? Uh, it depends if I've heard that from multiple places and multiple sources, right? Cause I'm not just going to go to that one video or one whatever and then click their affiliate link and buy it then and there um i'm probably going to watch a couple things or even just i google it and you'll end up in some form somewhere someone talking about something right um and i try not to like i don't want to like i've I've done it before it's like you spend like three months like trying to figure out what tool you want to buy and it's like like after like three months you're like this is ridiculous i just spent this much time trying to like wade through all this stuff. Yeah. And I think, I think I know what I want now, but it's, it's like paralysis by analysis. No, oh, totally. Like, I'm like, I just, I don't, I've come to the point now where I'm like, I don't spend nearly as much time as I used to because it just does. It's not important to me to spend the time doing all that research or rather just have it here after being somewhat comfortable with it. And I've honestly never had a bad experience where I'm like, why the hell did I buy this? How do I get rid of it? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of easy to avoid the lemons for the most part, like the things you should absolutely not touch and everything else kind of should work. You know, even if there's nuances to it, little details that aren't great, you could probably work those things out. I mean, very yeah, generally. I think with, especially with tools, like going yeah. back to the whole, the whole drill thing for me, drill the spin the bit. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to shop, you know, it's not like I'm on a, even with battery life, battery life is great. It's a great thing to have kind of comparisons for, but I'm literally in a shop. There's a charger right there. There's probably two batteries with the drill. I mean, well, the argument can be made in the shop to go the opposite direction, go with the smaller battery, the smaller format. It's easier to hold. It's less fatiguing because charge is not exactly an issue for us. So get something that's like the smaller form factor, easier to get into small places. It's going to be more functional than if you go for like the giant, you know, 20 volt (laughs) max, whatever, you know, yeah. huge thing that you got slinging on the side of your waist, you know, for the guys that are climbing up on roofs, you know, that might be a different story, but yeah, dragging, dra- driving like three, eight inch, six inch long legs <laughs> yeah. into beams. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, uh, Shannon, <laughs> any, any perspectives well, on this? Yeah. One of the things that I always, that kind of bugs me. And I, I say this knowing that I'm kind of a hypocrite cause I'm sure I've probably done it. I don't, I don't do much in the way of tool reviews anymore. Cause because of this reason, how long have you actually been using that tool? 
And and so many so many of us, you know, you have that manufacturer to send you the tool, especially the tool reviews that include like an unboxing. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like it's I really so just new. got this. <laughs> right. I mean, so there is there is merit certainly to that that impression out of the box, to that how easy was it to set up, how did it work out of the box? Certainly that's important. But you know, really, like how long have you used it? How has it worked over the last six months? Yeah. Do you find that cool feature that seemed like it was a really cool thing? Cause it was a quick, you know, quick, uh, quick stop on the fence. I don't know why I'm going to a miter saw in my head all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> you know, that seems like a great idea. And then like three months later, yeah, I never used that. Or what seemed like was a cool thing just doesn't really make a difference. Or what usually happens is all the little bells and whistles that, you know, people want to talk about because those are the bullet points on the marketing sheet or whatever. They end up just kind of blending into one another. And then mark your point of, yeah, they're pretty much all good. Like you could buy any one of these, just pick your favorite color and you'll be okay. Yeah. You know, you can't really know that stuff until you've really had time to work with it. That is one area where the magazines still do a good job when they, you know, they, they grab the cordless drill and they drill like 400 holes a piece and go, how do they work? You know, and it's mind numbing and the, all the charts and stuff that fine woodworking does a great job of putting up charts and performance and what did best and what was cheapest. And it's like, man, that's why the magazines, you guys do that because I have no desire <laughs> to do that. <laughs> well, see, but you know that, what? It's a good data point though. But that's one of the things that like, as, as good as that seems, that's one of the things that I kind of don't like about the magazine reviews, because when you do take a new product out of the box and you just do this kind of like immediate stress test, it's again, not necessarily reflecting how the average person is going to use it in their shop. Yeah, you true, probably true. aren't going to take this thing out of the box and drill 2000 holes, you know, right. and that's, if they do that, <laughs> a lot of the magazine reviews do not do that type of a long range stress test. They do a, a couple of tests and they compare the results or look at the cut quality or see, you know, they're, they're looking at these parameters, but none of them actually reflect six months of real shop usage, which is what yeah. I would do. And that, again, goes back to the YouTube thing, you know, why those things can be useful because if the guy is just coming in and, you know, maybe like a shop tour, sometimes I find shop tours to be one of the most informative things where it's not even labeled as a review, but as someone is walking through their shop telling you about the tools, you'll very quickly get a vibe for which ones they like and which huh, ones they're not yeah. that excited about uh, simply because they're like, oh, okay, here's my, um, here's my Delta bandsaw. Yeah, it's okay. It kind of drifts a little bit, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't hold the blade on. I have to just like, you'll get that perspective from actual usage. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, though, those things aren't labeled as reviews, so they might not be right. as easy to find. Um, you know, the but, other thing, but you know, that brings you to that last point on that poll mm -hmm. talking with other woodworkers. Well, yes. that may be as close as you can get. That's you know? true. That Watch is. the shop tour and see what the, <laughs> you know, the, the candid response is what acts accidentally slips out as you walk by and point out that lathe that yeah, hands off. That's like our modern day substitute for having to talk to people. <laughs> so, <laughs> true. Um, you know, the thing with the YouTube, uh, uh, sort of review sort of concept, and this is something that I tried to explain to people all the time when I get questions about my affiliations with tool companies and the fact that if I got something for free, and again, I put quotes around free because nothing is free. Um, if I get sent something, there is something given in exchange for that. It may not be cash, but there is something that I, I did something to deserve that item for free. In most cases, uh, there are things that like companies will just uh, send you and just hope you say something and then not, you know, expect anything out of it. But most of the time, these companies want something in return. So it is technically paid for in that sense, but still I didn't have to put any cash out to get this item. So how can I possibly review this thing or discuss yeah. it publicly in any sort of fair way? 
right? Yeah, and I think that true. that's that's a big question that comes up. And for me, I don't know. I actually find it easier to review tools that I didn't pay for because if I paid for it out of my own pocket, try to insult um, a Festool or an Incra product and let me know how far you get because <laughs> yeah. the people who spend that much money on stuff are usually pretty adamant about making sure they convince themselves they love it. And and granted, mm. these companies may, and I'm, I'm singling them out because those happen to be very pricey I- examples, uh, but also the, the, the audience that tends to be very uh, excited about their products, you know, so they're, they're a good example for this. Oh, um, come to my world, Mark, the vintage Stanley <laughs> plane restorer versus yeah. the Scott me can plane or the, yeah. <laughs> right. Welcome well, I mean, to my the, world. The bottom line <laughs> stay is over there. Anytime, yeah, please stay where I've got plenty of people to, on my own to deal with. <laughs> but if you spend a lot of money on a product, you are more likely to try to convince yourself, even if you have little things you don't like, you'll be a little more forgiving about those things because everyone, it's just a natural reaction. Everyone wants to justify their expenses. You know, if you, if you spent a lot of money, you want to make sure you spend a lot of money for a good reason. So I think if you paid for it out of your own pocket, there are also biases and things that come along for the ride there. If you received it for free, yeah, certain companies may try to apply some pressures, but this is, this is what comes down to integrity. And one of the good things about the online universe is most people, if they're just a shill for products, if they are just BSing people or they give bad advice, how long do you think they're going to last, you know, before people start calling them out? So I think when you're looking at these bloggers, even your sponsored bloggers, yours truly, as an example, um, you know, Matt, you're working with Triton now. The question of can you trust Matt's advice on a Triton tool? The question comes down to look at this person's history. Hopefully you've watched more than one video. If the review is the first video you got to, you may not have a perspective for it. But if this person had a habit of steering people wrong and only taking money for reviews and then giving them positive glowing reviews that they didn't deserve, that would come out and it would be obvious. So I think it's a matter of trust when it comes to, you know, reviews from bloggers and YouTubers. It's very important to know who you're talking to, you know, what their background is and have they steered you wrong in the past or have they steered other people wrong in the past? And if not, you could probably trust their experience, you know, what they have to say about these tools. Uh, okay. So retailer reviews. Now this is something that comes up in like daily life outside of woodworking Buy any product on Amazon and you know, how much time, how much time do you guys spend reading retail reviews? For, well, for, for an important purchase, maybe well, some, I mean, even something that, house related. That's kind of key because a lot of times when I do step outside of the woodworking world, you know, I have no idea what I'm looking for. So I actually really lean on these things to find out, just get me in the ballpark. Right. Um, I, uh, I, I just went and bought a heater actually that is for my shop because mm-hmm. my old one had just was getting really loud. It was making this clattery noise and kind of scared me. <laughs> so <laughs> I specifically went looking for it and there's all kinds of technical terms and things with heater that kind of in theory, I know what they're talking about, but I was like, eh, I don't really know what this means. So I found myself Googling terms and then I got to, all right, this is what's important to me. These mm-hmm. are, these are the aspects that I want to have in a heater. So then I went to Amazon and I read the reviews specifically looking for comments on like in my case, how loud is it? You know, it's a big deal for me as I'm filming in my shop to not have this heater that's going to sound like a you know jet engine flying through the shop. Um, and I was able to find exactly what I was looking for, the form function I needed, the size and something that was quiet by using Amazon reviews. 
Mm-hmm. And the only reason I say that is because you can read Amazon reviews and it's the same thing. This guy loves it. This guy hates it. This guy loves it. Right. <laughs> this girl hates it. You know, it's all and extremes. It's like, yeah, it's from one extreme to the other. But if you hone in on a specific feature, um, and that's what I did, how quiet is it? You know, and you get a lot of this is not a very efficient heater, but it's really quiet. Oh, OK. Well, that's <laughs> it's kind of a mixed review, but it gave me a data point to, to work <laughs> off of. Um, so I think it's imperative like if you're buying something, you just have no idea. You kind of have to do your own research and then read the reviews. Yeah. Um, like read the technical specs and the description of the products and kind of just Google what to look for in, you know, product X right. and then go read the reviews. You'll have a much better experience. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, damn it. Everybody hates it and likes it. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Uh, you ever find them to be useful, Matt? Um, yeah, but I think, well, a lot of times you have to kind of take them with a little bit of a grain of salt, uh, depending on the experience that person had. Uh, sometimes you can tell when you're reading them, like, I don't know what happened. Like that, it came broken one star. Well, okay. (laughs) That's not super helpful, but maybe the chances of me receiving a broken one is higher. I don't know. (laughs) Right. They criticize the shipping on it or or like it, it was a pre-order and it was delayed. So they give it one star. Yeah, so you kind of got to wade through that a little bit. Um, but usually there's at least a, well, depends on the product and how people have written reviews, but there's usually at least a couple that are somewhat useful and you can kind of relate to. Yeah. I find the Q&A sections, especially on Amazon, to be pretty, when they're not like a, a joke that someone asks a dumb question <laughs> and there's a bunch of really funny answers to. Uh, <laughs> when it's a serious question with serious answers, I actually find those to be incredibly helpful. So a lot of times it's like, does, is this thing compatible with something else? And that's mm-hmm. where you'll find it in those Q and a sections. So definitely take a look at those. Um, you know, if, another little tip, and this came from when I bought a humidifier this past year for my house, I was looking for a large humidifier that I could just kind of put in the living room that would, you know, get at least cover a couple of different rooms. And I was reading the uh, reviews for this Honeywell model and they were really good. Everything seemed really good. I looked at, you know, tried to look at all, not all of them, but the, just to kind of get an idea of what the general consensus was. And it looked like the reviews were positive. Well, I got it and I kept having some problem. I'm not going to get into the details. There was a problem I kept having and it was really frustrating. It was annoying the crap out of me. I go back to the Amazon reviews and what I forgot to do was sort by date. So even though this thing had thousands mm-hmm. of positive reviews, if I had sorted by date and I looked at all of the recent reviews in the last two months, all giving it like one star because of the same thing I'm complaining about. So it was a great unit. And then they made a, a change in the manufacturing, like something changed and something was faulty. And now everyone is having this problem and everybody's like, warning, do not buy whatever you do. Don't buy it. This thing is broken. And literally a week later, the item was put like frozen on Amazon. They weren't <laughs> selling it anymore. Uh, until they resolve this issue. And I'm like, you know, had I just looked at that and never thought about that, all I looked at was, well, there's a, there's, you know, a certain percentage of one star reviews, but most of them are these five star reviews. I'm just going to ignore those. Well, I should have actually looked at them and looked at the date because it, it would have told me there's a current problem with this, even though the past units were fine. You know, so that's something that a little, little tip <laughs> to avoid having problems in the future. Uh, all right. So that's really about it. I mean, you got magazines, Retail reviews, YouTube, and forums. Um, and, and I don't know that there's any one perfect solution. I think you just have to start Googling, see where where it takes you. Sometimes I'll Google a product, and I do wind up in a forum. I didn't seek out the forum. I just ended up there because there's a really good thread 
about something I'm looking to buy. So that could be super helpful. Um, but definitely do some Google searching and just keep your, um, I don't know, try there's a certain internet common sense that is a moving target because like it doesn't always apply forever. Things change. Uh, but you have this internet common sense of what you can trust and what you can't. And I think you develop it over time. And even these days I get bit, you know, cause I did something stupid like that. So, um, right. you just got to kind of keep working at it. I think the end all be all, and this is harder, but the more you can lay hands on the tool, the better. And that's where like the woodworking shows and mm-hmm. woodworking in America and the Lee Nielsen hand tool events and rock you know, and that goes back to, yeah, you know, that goes back to like talking with other woodworkers. It's a, it's an in-person type thing. Yeah. And this is definitely not easy to do. But at the same time, like Lee Nielsen, they do hand tool events practically all over the country, all over the world now. I mean, they go to Russia and Italy and England and I think up to Sweden now, but mm-hmm. certainly uh, Canada and all over the U.S. Um, if you are interested in, in a Lee Nielsen tool, it's a little bit harder with power tools. Like you can't necessarily go to the woodworking show and start cutting mortars and tenons and, you know, using the hollow <laughs> chisel mortar and the mortiser and table saw. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But, but you, you could at least have a conversation. You yeah, can touch it. You know, you know, you can you can you can pee on it and make it yours. See if you can get a, give it a quick lick. <laughs> see if you can get a discount. But like at the, at the Lee Nielsen events or at Woodworking in America with the hand tools, you can sit there and plane away all yeah, day. They want you, you to know, touch with, them. Absolutely, you know. Um, and that you just can't you can't beat that um, when it comes to the because certainly you could hear other woodworkers tell you how great this is. But then when you get that like warm, fuzzy feeling in the pit of your stomach, as you chop out that mortise with that fancy chisel, yeah, you're sold right yeah. there. Cool. All right. Well, let us know what you guys are into. What are your best resources? Where, where's the first place you go when it's time to buy a new tool just to find out about it and whether or not you should buy it. We are interested to know. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap it up for this show, this weekend show, Shannon, let's do it. Let's do the contact information. I think that, that we talked about that last week. I want to do it. Let's do it. Okay. Well, and that's, that. this is important. You know, we don't normally mean this, but if you do have comments, questions, <laughs> or specifically <laughs> Today topic suggestions, you know, yeah. you guys, you guys essentially paid for this show, right? The, the Patreon thing got us to bring back the weekend show. So we want to hear your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. So you can leave those on Skype. Our username is Woodtalk Online or call our voicemail line. It's 623-242-5180. Use our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or leave us a comment on this post on woodtalkshow.com. Tell us what you think and tell us what you want to talk about in future weekend shows. Yes. And we actually do answer these questions. It's like a real thing. I know I yeah. know people who, who would attest to that. <laughs> we're building trust. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Goodbye.